I know uh, I look back in my life, I remember how many times Mr. Armstrong used to uh, start his sermons out, uh, two ways of life, you know, there's God's way and Satan's way, and he would go on for, what, hour and a half, sometimes two hours on just starting with that as a, a principle. And uh, I got to thinking about it, how many times we as human beings make the wrong choice in our life. And you look back at Adam and Eve, uh, God promised them long life, a beautiful life, everything they needed. But they made a wrong choice, didn't they? they instead of listening to God, they decided they wanted to listen to other things. And so that choice brought punishment to them, didn't it? Here they had a beautiful garden, a beautiful way of life, going to have a close contact with their Creator, a personal contact with their Creator, but by making the wrong choice, they were put out of the garden. And they had to till the ground, they had to fight the tumbleweeds and the the um, blackberry bushes and all those things that are not as nice as being able to walk through a smooth garden, you know, a garden with carpet, you know, green carpeted grass stuff, and animals that loved them and would not be harmful to them. They just made a wrong choice, and they had to pay the penalty. We think of Cain. I know Terry brought out about Cain some of the things he did, but he made a wrong choice too, didn't he? He knew he had to make a sacrifice. They knew that was had been brought out to them as young children and brought up and they grew up in the fact that they saw sacrifices. But Cain made the wrong choice, didn't he? He knew he had to bring the best that he had to God. But he just chose to bring a sacrifice. Whatever it was. It's like bringing your first fruit. You just bring what, whatever's there. You know, in first fruits, we should bring out the best and give to God. Even though it's the first fruit, we should pick the best. We don't just take everything and give it to God. That's what Cain did. It was a wrong choice. And he let it get to his mind and he wound up killing his brother and wound up being punished for the rest of his life. So we have decisions or Choices that we have to make throughout our life, don't we? We need to focus our minds on the right choices, the right things to do. Because not always do those choices work to our our best interest. If you would, let's go to Mark chapter 4 to begin. And see, what I want to go in as a topic today would be judgment eternal judgment, and realize that there are things that we must choose if we're going to do it the right way. Mark chapter 4, verse 1, And he began, as Christ began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him great multitudes, so that he entered into the ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was on the, on, by the sea on the land. So, It was such a great crowd that he needed to be away from them. He needed to be out where he could speak to them, and they weren't pressed on top of him, and everyone could hear. 
And he taught them many things in parables, or by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, they went out a sower. So he started the parable of, of the sowing of the seed. I think a lot of times I look back, God provides the seed, doesn't he? But I feel, and if I'm wrong, maybe Darrell will correct me, but I think Mr. Armstrong was the man sowing that seed for God. He sowed the seed out there. And as it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Well, I can remember as a kid, it was in either 1946, 47, 48, one of those three years, I can remember my family, my, my father's family, as my two brothers and mother and father, we sat in the living room. We had no television. We used, we'd sit and listen to the radio a lot of times. And I remember hearing The World Tomorrow. I distinctly remember those things. You know, not remember a lot of things, but there are some things, you know, you do recall. And I recall us sitting there hearing The World Tomorrow and hearing Mr. Armstrong on there. But my father and my mother were like those that heard this special seed, but before they could, the seed could germinate, before it do anything, it disappeared. And imagine some of us throughout our lifetime in the church, because I know as being in the church, many people that heard the world tomorrow, but they never got more than maybe a first response. Never more than that. And it just seemed that they heard this, this information and then it just sort of disappeared. Verse 5, And then some fell on stony ground where it had uh, not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no earth, depth of earth. And when the sun was up and it scorched and became, it uh, had no root, it withered away. And I remember a lot of people like that, too, in the church over the past 40-some years that have been around. People that heard the world tomorrow, I saw them start attending church, and then something happened. Maybe it was you have to give up your job because of the Sabbath. Or maybe it was uh, you have to pay tithe. And probably one of the bigger things that affect people other than the Sabbath is giving up their money. You know, they just can't seem to want to give up their money. And that became such a burden to them. As they began to grow and they had to put out, and a challenge was more than they could take. And they withered and died, didn't they? They never went past that first trial that hit. It was just too much for them. Verse 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no fruit. You've always been that way too, haven't we? We've seen it, especially when the world tomorrow, or when the uh, church began to take a turn in the wrong direction. They were so embedded in this world, and this can affect us today, right now. We have to be very, very careful as we 
pursue this life that God has set in front of us, that we don't allow the cares of this world, whether it be their money, their food, their television, their entertainment, uh, whatever it is, that we're so entrenched into that that it begins to maybe start to choke us out and then we begin to like it more and more. And before you know it, you're, you're slipped so far from where you should be that there's no turning back. And so you have to be extremely careful that the ways of this world, the cares, and that all that, that seems to be out there for us can't choke out God's way of life. Verse 8, And others fell on good ground and yielded fruit and sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some a hundred. So there are those that, and I look out here at us, and you know, we've had that opportunity to be planted in good ground. Yeah, we're out here in the desert maybe, but this is good ground because God's feeding us with tremendous spiritual food. It's like planting a garden and, you know, and putting in the fertilizer and giving it that miracle grow that causes the plants to really bud and really push out. So God's giving us miracle growth, isn't he? The spiritual food. I think of the parable of the pounds and the parable of the talents. You know, God looks down at each one of us individually. He knows us. He knows who you are. If he knows the hair on our head, he knows us individually. And sometimes he looks out and says, well, this person, I can really throw a lot of things on him and, or on her, and they can handle that, and they'll grow and produce, and even more. And others can only handle one or, one or two talents. But the problem comes is the person that gets one, and God knows what he's doing. That's the problem, I guess. We don't realize that God knows what he's doing. So he gives one talent to one person, and they get the feeling, well, I'm capable of more. And that becomes a wrong choice. Because if we think we can do more, and we're telling God, you don't know what you're doing. So God knows what you can handle. So if we take the one talent and double it, you still have the same reward that those that have the four, five, ten talents. It's just whether you decide in your mind and choose to do it God's way or to say, God's the problem. Have you heard that before? In society, people have problems. Something might happen in their life. And the first thing that comes out is, why did God do that to me? Why am I being punished by God? It's God's fault. Maybe because we don't sit down and say, what did I do? Or maybe I'm, God sees that I need to make some changes in my life, and he's done this to help me see better how to produce in my life. How to do more. So life is full of challenges. And we're in good ground. So if you have just a little bit of talent, you have good ground. 
And God is feeding you with tremendous food. He sent His servant here that can really inspire and nourish us in doing things the way He wants it done. We just have to be ready to, like that plant, suck up that nourishment and then bush out like a big tree. Remember the parable he said about the uh, mustard seed? It's a very, very, very small seed. But look at the plant that it produces. It's just that we have to have that same attitude and take the talent that God gives to us and expand on it. Verse 10. So, oh, I know what I missed the point here. It's verse 9. And he said unto them, He that has an ear, hear, let him hear. So here, God was saying, or Christ, Emmanuel, was saying to the people, saying to us, Listen to what I say. Open up your ears, because you have ears to hear. And you can understand, and you have that opportunity. You know, in Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, what does he say? He's talking to the churches. And at the end of each church group, he says, Listen, if you have ears, open them up. Listen to what I say to the churches. He expands it out. He says, whether you think you're a, a Sardis or a, Revel or a Laodicean, whether you're a Philadelphian or a Smyrna, he says, listen to what I say to all of the churches. Listen to what I'm saying, because it's important to you. As a plant growing up in God's way of life, it's important that you hear everything as we've heard so many times, don't let any of God's words fall to the ground. Listen to all of them. So he said, in this parable of the sower, listen to what I say. You have ears, listen. Just like he did to, to the seven churches. Verse 10 then in Mark 4. And when he had, was alone, the disciples that were about him, the twelve asked him the meaning of the parable. What, what does these parables mean? So here he'd already told them, listen, hearken, hear what's been said. And now he says to them, they asked the question, what do they mean? And he said to them, verse 11, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, Saying that to us today because so many times have we heard, if we were listening, if we've been listening with our ears, we've heard it said time and time again, the Bible is written to the church. So what's here in this book is written to us. It's saying, are you listening to what it's saying? Are you hearing? Because he said... It's given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, those that are outside, those that are not prepared, God's not using at this time, all these things are done in parables. So I don't want them to understand at this time. Because it goes on in verse 12, that seeing they may see, 
and not perceive. So he said, look, I don't want these people to see these things. I don't want them to understand. And hearing to not understand. Lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven of them. So God is not ready. He's telling the disciples at that time, the twelve, that he wasn't ready at that time. Nor is he ready at this time. For the world, 99% of all humanity, to really understand what's going on. He's not ready for that to happen. So he does it in parables, but he opens our understanding. And he said to us, listen, open up your ears, pay attention to what's being said, because that is what's important. Go to Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29, verse 4. Yet the Lord has not given them a heart to perceive. So here, God speaking to Moses and to all of us, the Lord has not given everybody the heart to to perceive or understand, or eyes to see or ears to hear, Unto this day, to that day when these Israelites were <coughs> sitting out there in the middle of nowhere, they weren't there to hear at that time. I mean, the majority of people. But it is for us today. He wants you to hear what he has to say. Go now to Isaiah 6. Isaiah chapter 6. God is wanting us as individuals to know what he has to say, but not to the world. Isaiah 6, verse 9. And he, and he said, Go and tell this people, Hear you indeed, but understand not, and seek you indeed, but perceive not. When the two witnesses come on the land, on this, this earth, when they... They're already here, but God sets them aside when he makes known who his two witnesses are. He's going to tell these people, but I'll guarantee you, they won't hear. They won't listen, because it's not for them. And make the heart of this people fat, and make their eyes heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and be converted and healed. God is not ready to heal humanity. They, mankind, when we go back and think of, all the way back to, to Adam and Eve, we've made the wrong choice in our life. We've chosen not to listen to God. So God says, fine. That's okay. You don't have to listen to me. In fact, I'm not going to let you listen. I'm going to close your eyes and close your ears until the time is right. And then Isaiah 44, verse 18 says, Isaiah 44, 18, They have not known or understood the whole people. Even the church has had a difficulty of understanding for he has shut their eyes that they see not, and their hearts that they cannot understand. So we look at the church and so many of the 
people that were in the church at one time, they're like that seed that was sowed out there. Some of them caught up in the cares of this world. They're not ready to see, are they? They've shut their own eyes because they want to be so entangled with society and with this life. You've probably had a chance to talk to relatives or other people and and maybe even bring out how the country's going downhill. But they won't listen, will they? They don't understand because they're not that point in time for them to understand. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, verse 14. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, By hearing you will hear and shall not understand. So hear Christ even speaking, shall hear and not understand. And seeing you shall not see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand, and their hearts should be uh, converted, and I should heal them. So he's not less, he's not at that point in time. For the, the world, and looks like a lot of the church is not ready to hear that at this point in time. But it goes on to say, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. So, those of those that are in the church that are seeking after it, it's, and the church is scattered today. It's confused. Like Daniel said in chapter 9 of Daniel in his prayer, he said, God is unorganized and understands, but he said the peoples are confused. Our understanding is lost because we don't know the direction we're going in. But God is saying to us that we are blessed. So those that are listening are literally being blessed. You're being fed with great nourishment, spiritual food, like the miracle grows that causes the plant to grow and, and produce. For truly I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see the things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which, are, which you hear and have not heard them. How many in the past? How many of the prophets? How many of those that have sought after God desired to hear some of the things that we're hearing today? To grasp how close it is. To realize that we are living in the promised land. To realize that there's a lot in front of us if we would just listen and open our eyes and our ears. So, we have an opportunity to make changes in our life. To, to by listening, by reading, by studying, to grow as God gives us, gives us the information to do that. 
Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. We're looking at the fact that God's opened to us a great opportunity. Something that most of the world is not able to hear. Because God has blinded their eyes. Just like he did Pharaoh. Like he did Nebuchadnezzar. Like he's done to so many people throughout society. Romans 11 verse 8. According as it is written, God has given them the spirit of slumber. The world has a spirit of slumber. Look at the church. Even it's in confused state today. A lot of the church is slumbering. Remember the ten virgins? They all slept, didn't they? They all slumbered and slept. The church is slumbering and sleeping even today. So God has given them that spirit. He's allowed that to happen. And eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. Unto this day, it's allowed. But He's opened your eyes. He's opened your hearing. He's opened your heart if you want to receive it. And David said, let, the, let their tables be made a snare and a trap and stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their backs away. So here, God is allowing that to happen, isn't it? He's let that occur in, in the life of the church. But you have your eyes open. Are you using it? Are you actually, at this day and time, listening? It's easy, isn't it, to sit back, to look at the other person. The last sermonette I did, I was wanting to point out how important it is, as we read the Bible, to read it as a personal Word written to you individually. Everything there is for your understanding. We can look out there and say, well, that's great. We heard a sermon that was really powerful for all those other people. Or was it powerful for me? If we take the Bible, opening our eyes, opening our ears, and seeing how it affects me as an individual, that's basically what God wants. Go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Paul in chapter 5 came to the people and said, You know, I came to you to bring you meat, but you weren't ready to, to receive the meat. So here, we're here to get meat. Are we ready to receive it? Or do we have to go back, as Paul said to the church in Rome, or Hebrews, to all the people, to all the church even to today, do we have to take the same status that Paul said to them, I came here to teach you something, bring you strong meat. But I see I can't bring you strong meat because you still need milk. You're like babes who have to have milk because you're not ready. It's like the, the uh, 
baby goats out there that have to drink the milk of the mother because they can't eat the hay yet. Their bodies are not ready for it. So Paul said, I came to give you meat. Are we ready to get that meat? Hebrews 6 verse 1 then. Therefore, he says, because I need to give you more meat, therefore, leaving the principalities of the doctrines of Christ, let's go on to perfection. He wants us to go on and become perfect as God is perfect. Go on toward perfection. So opening our ears, opening our eyes, you know, and that means you have to, like Mr. Armstrong said so many times, blow the dust off your Bible. Well, if you blow the dust off the Bible, if you open them up, you begin to read and meditate as David did and study. And like I asked on that last I think two sermonettes ago, I said, take at least 15 minutes and think of how great our God is. So you need to open your eyes, and if you open your eyes and ears and start meditating on these things, you'll see how great our God is. So we need to go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Living the way the world is is dead works. Uh, and, and a faith toward God. We have to have a complete trust in God. As Abraham did, God said, pick up you and your family and your things and go to where I'm going to show you a place that I'm going to give to you. As Abraham did when God said, take your son, the son of Sarah, Take him up here to this place, I'll show you, and sacrifice him to me. Do we have that kind of faith? And that's the faith he's talking about. A faith that says, yes, Lord, yes, Father, I will do that. I will hear, and I will put that in my mind and let it come out my heart, because I'm living the way you want to live. Repentance from dead works and faith toward God. And the doctrine of baptism. Saying, okay, yeah, I see that I'm a pretty rotten person all my life. And I'm willing to be buried in the water as Christ died. I'm ready to kill the past. So we're baptized, killing our past, and coming out of that water then a new person. We were all baptized. Baptized into a man, unto a manual. So we came out of that water as a new person. Did we made the change? Or we slipped backward? The laying on of hands to receive the Spirit of God. We had God's Spirit. When we came out as a new body and had hands laid on and said, Father, allow that individual there set him aside as a special individual in your mind, in your heart, and give them your spirit so that they now can see, that they now can hear, that they will make the change in their life. In eternal judgment. God's judgments are final. He looks at each one 
whether he gives you one talent or ten, whether he gives you one pound or ten pounds. He looks at you as an individual, and his judgment is based on what you do. And his judgment is righteous and right and good. It's just our judgments that get sticky and kind of turn south sometimes because we make wrong choices. So I want to go here into eternal judgment and take a look at eternal judgment because it's final. It's God's judgment. We make judgments and we see we made a mistake and we might change that judgment. Sometimes our judgments are based on emotion or based on what we'd like to happen. Or we judge other people based on what I know, the way I live my life, the way I've lived my life in the past, and what I know I can do. And so we look at somebody else and they can't do what I do. So we look at them as they're just not as good as me. And maybe what it is, is they're a whole lot better than I am. They just do things different. My wife used to say, there's more than one way to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, you can put the peanut butter on and then the jelly, or you can put the butter on and then and jelly and then the peanut. You know, so there's a lot of different ways. But we can't look out at each other and say, I could do that better than you can. Well, maybe they don't have your experience. Maybe they don't have your uh, mental capacity. But when you really sit down and say, I am not as good as I think sometimes, and there's a whole lot of people there who can do a lot more than I can do. So God's judgment is based on what God knows you can do and what God gives you the ability to do. Our judgment is based on what we think you ought to be able to do. And so we have the Ten Commandments which tell us to love God and love our fellow man and tells us that treat others, okay, treat other people, our fellow human beings, the way we want to be treated. So if you get harsh and criticize and condemn and put down and and uh, say, I'm so much better than them. What do you expect? God says, treat them the way you want to be treated. So, if someone comes back at you and you're argumentative and they start arguing with you, well, that's what you asked for, wasn't it? If you slap someone, you better expect to be slapped right back. If you steal, you better expect somebody to take from you. So we want to do things in a way that brings honor and praise to our Creator. In Ecclesiastes 12, most of us probably have memorized this, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, we can read where Solomon, writing, said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He said, let's sit down and hear the final end of the whole matter. Fear God. First thing he said, fear God. Many times we fear people. Many times we fear animals. 
But where is, and I, I, I read this and I forgot exactly where it is, but God says, fear God who can destroy you eternally. His judgment is final. There will be, you know, he loves mankind enough that if you refuse to go his way, he will take and wipe out your memory so that you don't have to spend eternity in sickness and sadness and all those things that go demented minds like Satan has. He loves humanity that much. He made us human that we can be changed or we can be wiped out. So that you don't have to have all those bad ways. So he said, fear God who can do all that and not fear men. Because men can only take the worst thing that a human being can do to another human being is remove their physical life. That's the worst case. Oh, they can hurt you and beat on you and steal and all those other things, but the worst thing is to remove your physical life. That's the worst. God can remove your spiritual life. So, Solomon said, here's the conclusion. The whole conclusion of everything that, that's that is fear God. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is your whole responsibility. This is all that you're supposed to do. To fear God and keep his commandments. Mankind can only take away your physical life. God can remove you forever. Verse 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment something we need to consider deeply in our minds. Really give it a lot of thought that God will bring every work that you do into judgment. He looks at you. He sees what you are. Everything you do, everything you say, He will bring into judgment. And every secret thing, so we do things as we heard, Openly, and a lot of things we do secretly, like we were brought in sermonette, said that there's things that are done in government behind closed doors that we will never know at this life. And there are things we do in our own homes that are secret that others won't see. But God will bring those works into judgment too, whether they be good or whether they be evil. God's looking at you individually. He's not judging you based on your neighbor. He's not judging you based on your husband or your wife or your children. You know, we go to Ezekiel and read that. You know, I think Ezekiel 18 where it says that what the son does, the father's not going to be charged with that. And what the father does, the son's not going to be charged with that. It's what you do. So God's going to judge you based on who you are. And if you do good things, that's to your credit. If you do bad things, he's going to bring that up too. So God wants us to look into our own personal life. And he's going to judge you based on everything that you do in your life. Psalm chapter 91, 96. Psalm chapter 96. Psalm chapter 96. 
so interesting. So many of these songs are we sing and can bring glory to God. Verse 1, Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Blessed is His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. Those are the good things we can do. Singing to our Creator. Looking at the things that He's done. Declare His glory among the heathen. His wonders among the, all the people. Do we do that? Do we declare God's glory? For the, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. When God makes judgments, we better be remembering that we should fear God. As Solomon said, and that's the responsibility. We should fear Him. Not the gods of stone, or the gods of gold, or silver, or the gods of our cars, or our jobs, or our family, or our, our thoughts. But God who created mankind out of the dust of the ground. Who punished Adam because he chose the wrong thing. Who punished Cain because he killed his brother because he made the wrong decision on on what sacrifice. He blamed God and took his brother's life. He blamed his brother because his brother was given praise. But we ought to fear God. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. God made this earth. Fantastic planet that we live on. We have an atmosphere that no place else that we know of. As men, scientists, have studied a lot of places that they can, with the best of our intelligence and our telescopes and our spacecrafts that we sent different places, there's no place like this earth. There's no place that has an atmosphere that will support human life. And yet we want to disclaim that there is a God. A, a planet that has been so balanced to support human life. Everything, down to the microorganisms that break the, the uh, dirt down so the plants can then take it out. And then we can eat the plants and get the dust that we came from in a way that tastes good. Honor and majesty are His. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O you kindred of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. So we should honor our Creator God with everything we have our whole life. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come unto His court. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness and fear, him, fear before Him all the earth. Again, we're told to fear God. Not man, but fear God. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigns. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. God's going to look down 
on who you are. He's going to judge maybe your secret things. He's going to judge your goodness and the things that you do that are not good. But he's going to do it in righteousness. Not as a human would be in selfishness, but in righteousness. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad and let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. And let the fields be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the woods rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with truth. Time is coming. We hear it. And as we look out at this society and see what's happening, we should be more attuned to the fact that Christ is returning sooner than what the world thinks. We can look at society. We can see what's occurring. And it says here in verse 13, For the Lord comes, for he comes to judge this world. He's going to bring upon everybody what they maybe don't expect. We know that there are those in the Christian religion who think that they'll be all just taken up to heaven. If we're good, if we think we're good and we haven't stolen too much and we haven't lied too often and we haven't uh, killed anybody or we hadn't committed too many adulteries, we haven't done all these things. We're pretty good people. We're going to be walked, swept up to heaven and be part with Christ. No, that's not what's going to happen. He's going to judge the earth based on who they are and what they have done. Back to Acts now, chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Um, Let's see here. Let's go back to verse 29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold and silver or stone graven by the art of man's devices, and that the time of this ignorance, God winked at. Well, there was a time God winked at the way you live. God winked at the way this world's going at. But now commands all men everywhere to repent. So there was a time in your life as an individual that God winked at. Because he wasn't working with you yet. But now is the time to look at your life and make those changes and repent of the way you live your life. Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man who he has ordained, speaking of Emmanuel, whereof he has given his assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. When Christ returns, the people will understand who he is finally. 
They didn't when he was here on the planet the first time as a human being. They rejected him. Today, the world still rejects Christ. They have their ideas, they have their gold and their silver and their stone and their marble gods. They have their little plastic statues, and some of them have on their dashboards to protect them as they drive down the highways. They have their crosses and all these things. But that's not going to protect them when Christ returns, because it said he has appointed a day, his time element. God has appointed that time when he will begin to judge this earth. So he's appointed a time to begin judgment on mankind. Romans chapter 2, verse 16. And when God makes that judgment, that time comes. He says in Romans 2, 16, In that day God shall judge the secrets of men by Emmanuel the Christ according to the gospel that he gave and the gospel of Paul. According to the way men live their life, God has appointed a time. Do we realize that? Do we have, is that sunk in our minds so much that we are ready to make those changes? Or are we, like so much of the church, still slumbering and sleeping? We have to be face the fact that we have to get our act together and recognize the fact that we must change now. We've heard it. Yet it's still easy to be a part of this world, isn't it? He brought us out here. He said, come out of the cities and come to the desert, come to the and create a village or villages without walls because he will protect us. So we listen. We've come away from this world. Well, mostly. Yet we still are close to it. We've got to be careful as that seed that is in amongst the cares or the cares of this world that it doesn't sap the strength away from you. You know, they say on a tomato plant that those little suckers that come up between where the leaves come out will sap some of the strength away from the plant. Because this world can pull you away from God and His way. So He's appointed a day to judge all of our secrets. So we have to ask ourselves, not what the church as a whole is doing, but what I am doing, because who is the church? We are the church. Each one of us individually. As Paul was pointed out, the body is made up of many members. Well, look at your own physical body. That's why he likened it to the human body. You know, ten fingers, two hands, two arms, one head, Christ, two eyes to, to drink in, them, two ears to hear, and one mouth to speak out. So it's easy to be the mouth and speak out and shut the eyes and shut the ears to hear, but easy to speak, isn't it? Sometimes it's easy to talk the talk, but it's difficult to walk the walk. 
So he gives you two legs so you can walk that walk. That you can hold his hands. He's appointed a day. Do we see that day coming? Is it so visualized in our minds like Abraham who said he longed for that city that wasn't built with hands? Is that our thoughts? Are we longing to be a part of this government of God, to be a part of the bride? If we are, if that's our main focus of changing our life to be like God, then we'll see that that day is coming. We see destruction coming on this nation. I've talked to people. You say, you know, look at what's happening. They're writing articles in Russia that says this nation is becoming communist. You bring that out to somebody, ah, you're, you're wrong. You're, a, you're part of some cult out there, some uh, Jim Jones outfit or something. Because they're not ready to see. Their eyes are shut. They don't see this happening. And they're all just so happy with what change we're making. Even if it's in the wrong direction. But God has set a day. He is going to judge this planet. He's going to judge my heart or your heart. He's going to judge the hearts of all the people. Am I aware of that? So I have to ask myself, I get on my knees and say, do you see what's happening? Are you changing yet? you have this problem? Have you changed this problem? Are you even working on it? Or have you taken that talent and said, I just can't do that. I just can't, I can't accomplish it. I'm just going to take that talent and I'm just going to set it aside down here because I know when God comes, he's going to require it of me, so I'm going to give it back to him. That's a person that says, I'm going to give it back to him, who's not ready to change. Who doesn't totally understand that God expects more from you than what you're willing to put out. But he knows you can do it. So we have children. You know, and things come to mind that, you know, you have a child. You know, you raise your little kids up and, you know, I've got great-grandchildren and grandchildren and, and I hear my daughters talk and my sons talk and say they, the kids, they just can't seem to get them to do anything. And I know I hear my wife say, well, you know, your parents. You tell them what to do. You don't be buddy. You be parents. And you do it because you love them and you don't want them to get hurt. So when we make mistakes, it's not because God hates us and He takes something away. When He does something, when He punishes us, when, say, we come to a sermon and we feel like we've been whipped, and I know there have been a number of sermons the past year or two. I go home and I feel like God really took Daryl and whipped me pretty good. And you go home and you, you feel, man, I've, I've got to change. But does it stop with the fact that I say, I've got to change? Do I change? So you have to ask yourself, yeah, God jumped all over me, but that'll pass. Just like a parent will train their children, as it says, train up your child in the way he'll go, and he'll forever do that. 
So God's training us up in the way that we should go. If we're listening, we're going to change. And we will never go the wrong way. Because we're hearing what he's had to say to us. We're wanting to change. So there is a day. Think about that. That day is coming. As I get older, it just seems that it goes a whole lot faster. I can think back and as a kid in Ohio and, you know, I thought, boy, there are times it just goes so slow or when you're in school, you know, and you're in elementary and then uh, maybe in uh, middle school or high school, you think, man, these days go so slow. Well, I can think back to last Sunday, and I think well, that was just a few moments ago, wasn't it? It just seems the older I get, how fast time seems to go. And I finally have to come down to the point to say, you know, Nelson, you're 71. You don't have much time left. So God says, buy back the time. He's coming to judge this planet. Am I buying back that time I have left? Do I put the effort and energy into making the right decisions? Or do I choose to do what's easy? You know, Christ said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And you know, it's so easy to sit there and do nothing. Because that's easy. But narrow is that path that leads to righteousness. Which means, I've got to knuckle down. I've got to face the facts. Each one of us. There's not a lot of time left. God set the date. We don't know it. Sometimes we as people want to say, well, God's, we've got another year or two years or ten years or, or, or maybe uh, Jubilee is in 2028, so we've got plenty of time. I think... When I think back in the 60s, we knew at that time we thought Christ would return in 1972. Boy, did we study. Boy, did we knuckle down and, and we prayed and we made sure we got an hour or two hours studying and praying every day. We gave up everything. 72 came. 72 went. 75 came. You know, we read the book in 1975 in prophecy. And all these things were going to happen. Well, 75 came. 75 went. 85 came and 85 went. And Mr. Armstrong died. And we begin, I think, as a church, as a whole, to think, my Lord delays his coming. Well, when we had a fact, we thought for certain that God was going to come in... Say, the Feast of Trumpets, 1972, did we work hard. But that didn't help, because it didn't come. It didn't come in 82, or 92, or 202. So, we as individuals, as it says right here, God has set a date. He set a time. That He will begin to judge this earth. Are we sitting back and saying, oh, well, maybe that time is not yet. Maybe we still have two, three, four, five, ten years to go. 
at 71, I don't have 2, 3, 4, 5, 10 years, 10, 20 years, lest God makes it possible. You don't know whether you have one more day. You might be only one breath or one heartbeat away yourself. For many men that I know, men that were servants of God, who died at 52, 3, 4, 36, 45, 80, you know, we know many people. So you don't know exactly when your day of judgment has happened because you won't be here. So it's important that we recognize that God has set a time. Are we making the change in our own personal life? God is going to judge this planet. We have shunned God. We've turned our back on Him. We have built edifices to men. Like he said to the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, you people, you want to make the outside look great. So we go to church, we sit in services, we make an effort of pleasing people and saying, oh, this person's a really a righteous person because I see the way he does when he's around me. But remember we read, God said he looks at the secret things. He sees what you do at your house what you're doing in your life when the minister's not there, when a brother or sister in Christ is not around. He says, I judge you on those things too. And I judge your good and your bad. So he set a time. Are you buying back that time? Have you decided in your mind that this is the time that I've got to make a change? Because judgment is coming to this planet. Romans 14. Romans 14, verse 10. See, he gets on us all the time because he loves us. Just like a parent loves their children so much that they want them to do the right things, that they want them to not run out in front of a car, He doesn't want your children to steal or to use bad words or look down on adults or whatever. So he does for you and for me. And so he says in Romans 14, verse 10, But why do you judge your brother? Why do you go out and look at somebody else's mistakes? What about your own mistakes? What about the way you live your life? Why do you set at not your brother. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All people will. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess unto God. So then, every one of us shall give or must or will give an account to of himself to God. You, as a person, are going to have to account to God for the way you live your life. Whether you like it or not. You are going to have to say, 
I'm sorry. What will God say? Sorry isn't good enough. It's just not good enough to be sorry. Because I've given you plenty of time. And we who are being fed superfood to become super beings, to be like God, to walk His way, we're given that superfood. So we can't go to God and say, sorry. I mean, I've had that. A lot of my grandkids will come to me and they'll do something. I'm sorry. Sorry I did that. No. You're not sorry because you won't do it again. Not when you do it and you do it and you do it and you do it. You can't go to God and say, sorry. I mean, how many times will you say, sorry God, I, um, uh, um, I stole, sorry God, I uh, had the wrong thoughts today. Well, when is sorry going to end? It's going to stop sometime. So God's going to, we're going to have to account for ourself. Not for our wife. Not for our children. Not for the ministry. Not for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not for our neighbors. Not for the president of this country. We don't have to give account for him. What we have to give an account for is number one, because God is going to judge you on that basis. Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32, verse 19. Is Jeremiah telling us, or God telling us through Jeremiah, great in counsel and mighty in work, for your eyes are opened upon all the ways of the sons of men to give every one according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. We have to account to God for the way we live our life. Not the way someone else lives their life. God will take care of that in his time frame. He'll take care of the president of this country and Congress and the judges and the people that run the county. Take care of it in his time. Right now it's your time. Right now it's your things that you must change. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. I think I'll end with this scripture. This is only the first section of what I have here. And the next section is a lot longer than that. So maybe you get out of the way. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time. Don't judge anything before the time. Until the Lord comes, who, will, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the heart. And then shall every man have praise to God. In time, God's time frame, He's going to judge this planet. My next section is going to be on, it begins with the church. So in God's time frame, He's going to judge every person. You need to take the time tonight, tomorrow, 
and buy back anything that's wasted time. You really don't have time to waste time. I know we have to have relaxation as, uh, I don't know if I'm reading on the computer, uh, sometimes it just gets so monotonous that I fall asleep reading and I have to fight that. But, you know, we have a chance right now. We're being fed super spiritual food. The super plant growth. <laughs> you know, miracle growth. Uh, the super food that you put out there on the garden, on your grass to make the grass green and grow. God gives that to us. Each one of us. And He corrects us. Sometimes we don't like that correction. I mean, I'm, I can guarantee you, when uh, God speaking through Daryl jumps on my case in a sermon, or personally, whichever, you know, I don't like it. But the end result is what we're looking for. What God's looking for. He wants us to change. And if we change, like we heard in the sermonette, then we're like that light that's set up on a hill. We're like the salt that will bring the flavor out. You know, I like to eat food that tastes great. And, and I know I need to cut back on salt because of high blood pressure, but that salt seems to bring the flavor out. And God's building a family, a bride for His Son, that's going to bring the flavor out of His way of life so that the people will finally look out there and say, Wow, I want to be that way too. So God has set a time. We don't know the exact day or the hour Christ Himself said. I don't know. If that's up to the Father. So the hour is the day, the time, the minutes when God is going to bring the judgment to this earth, that's up to Him. But you today have an opportunity to become that salt, become that light, to be a part of the bride of Christ so that when that happens, because God's going to judge this earth for everything they have done, hidden or open, whether it be good or bad, it behooves us to do more good than bad and to have God's help. So, let's buy back the time. Let's realize that there's only one God. There's only one way of life, like Mr. Armstrong pointed. We can make the wrong choice. We can do like Adam, like Cain, like all the people before Noah. Or we can do like Abraham and Noah and Christ and Paul and Stephen, you know, Hebrews 11. We can make that choice. The day is coming. How much time do you have left? A minute? An hour? A day? Ten days? Ten weeks? Ten months? Ten years? Do you know how much time you have left? God is judging you today. You don't have a lot of time. It's just a heartbeat away. One breath. Are you changing?